how much would you pay to avoid morning traffic? Why are plane tickets to Boise so expensive? I'm Cardiff Garcia, co-host of The Indicator. In every episode, we take on a new unexpected idea to help you make sense of the day's news. Listen every afternoon on NPR One or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, Jonathan. Yes? We're in Virginia Beach. Speed round. Okay. True or false, Virginia Beach hosts the annual East Coast Surfing Championships. That is true. That is true. True or false, this area is known as America's first region. I do not know what that means, but it is true. (laughs) That is true. True or false, Virginia Beach holds the Guinness World Record for largest pleasure beach. That is true, and also, ugh. From NPR and WNYC, coming to you from the Virginia Arts Festival, it's NPR's hour of puzzles, word games, and trivia, Ask Me Another. I'm Jonathan Colton. Now here's your host, Ophira Eisenberg. Wow, thank you, Jonathan. We are so happy to be here at the Virginia Arts Festival, and four brilliant contestants are waiting backstage debating whether this show qualifies as art. (laughs) And our special guest is former Poet Laureate Rita Dove. I love that Virginia Beach holds the Guinness World Record for world's largest pleasure beach. Thank you for specifying that. I really hate those business beaches. I used to work at a business beach, you know? I got paid in sand dollars. I was a real fish out of water. I coasted for a while, but then I was drowning in work. It almost krilled me. (laughs) Then I got a pink slip in a bottle. What can I say? Life's a beach. (laughs) Can a lifetime of drinking soda pay off? We're about to find out. Let's meet our first two contestants. First up, Ashley Martz on buzzer number one. You work in information warfare for the Navy. I do. Okay, we'll get back to that. Welcome. (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) Your opponent is Anthony Nobles on buzzer number two. You're an eighth-grade government teacher. That's right, yeah. Wow, welcome. Well, the first of you who wins two of our games will move on to the final round at the end of the show. So let's start with a game called Can Festival. The great Andy Warhol demonstrated that anything can be art if you give it the right price. So in this game, Jonathan and I will pretend to be hoity-toity art critics, but we'll be describing beverage cans, as if they were works of art. You just have to buzz in and tell us the name of the beverage. Okay, here we go. This soda's claim of 23 flavors is made to look like the imprint of a red wax seal. The beverage's name claims a false honorific, forcing us to examine our implicit trust in medical authority. (laughs) Anthony. Dr. Pepper. Yeah, that's correct, yeah. It's better than Bachelor of of Arts and Pepper. But are you a fan of Dr. Pepper? Do you drink it, Anthony? Uh, I do not drink Dr. Pepper. (laughs) There's too much going on there. Too many layers for me, I think. Uh, Right. Are you more like a one-flavor kind of guy? If that flavor is Coke. (laughs) (laughs) Emerald shards evoke the color of the intensely sweet liquid contained within this can and create a sense of motion. At first, its name seems to evoke a vista of serene water droplets atop a mighty peak. This belies the beverage's true namesake, a term for bootlegged alcohol. Ashley. Mountain Dew. You got it. The bounty of virile carrots, beets, plump tomatoes, and celery evokes vitality. This delicious juice, just like life, as symbolized by these ripe vegetables, will end. Ashley. V8. That is correct, yeah. This can acts as a simulacra of a frosty, overflowing stein for which the beverage is named. Curiously, on top of this design is a bulldog holding yet another stein. This upsets a stable viewing of the root beer can. 
You look confused. That means it's art. Yeah. <laughs> Speaking of art, Puzzle Guru Art Chung, can you give them a hint? Well, the hint is that there's a bulldog holding a cup on it. <laughs> Another word for a stein would be what? Mm. A mug root beer? Mug is correct. A product of its time, this 1963 diet soda's design is rootly firmed in pop art style. Its saccharine diagonal pink stripes nod back to Art Nouveau, while the futuristic font gestures forward to a space-age aesthetic. Mm-hmm. Ashley. Tab. That's right, Tab. And it, why was it called tab? Because it was, you're keeping a tab on your weight. Yeah, I know. Bud Light doesn't quite have that same thing going on with it. <laughs> I guess maybe it does. You want your buddy to be lighter. <laughs> <laughs> this is your last clue. A minimalist globe serves as the focal point of this can, divided into sweeping segments in red, white, and blue. According to the golden ratio, perhaps serving as a cutting satire of America's partisan politics. Ashley. That would be Pepsi. That would be Pepsi. Yes. Puzzleger Archung, how did our contestants do? Ashley, well done. You know your cans, and you're one step closer to our final round. Our next game is about real geographic locations with depressing names, like Washington, D.C. <laughs> but first, let's check in with our contestants. Ashley, okay, so you work in information warfare. Uh, so rough, rough idea of what your job entails. We work primarily among different disciplines to have the informational advantage over our adversaries, to know more, yeah. to be smarter than the bad guy. So when you're here, like right here, <laughs> right now, they're winning right now. Okay, got it, got it. <laughs> but not a trivia, so that's good. Anthony, you're a tall man. Yeah, I, I'm 6'4". Six 6'4". Four. Six yeah. four. Yet you have won not one, not two, but three limbo competitions. Yeah, uh, one of my good friends from high school, her parents throw an annual luau so that they can get smashed and then I can crush them at the limbo. (laughs) (laughs) Same thing every year. Yeah, I don't know. My spine uh, performs better than I expect it to. (laughs) (laughs) Has anyone ever called you Anthony Supple Spine? Has that ever been a nickname? (laughs) Now they will. (laughs) Now they will. (laughs) Okay. We have a guessing game for you, inspired by the Instagram account Sad Topographies. The United States is full of places that may be lovely, but they actually have very depressing names. For example, there's a real place right near here called Mount Trashmore. (laughs) In this game, I'm going to give you three locations. One is real. Two are fake. You just have to identify the real place, and we're going to alternate back and forth, so no need to buzz in. Ashley, you won the last game, so you win this, and you go to the final round. Anthony, you need to win this, or you have to stand outside of your own house with a frown on your face until a Google Street View car (laughs) drives by and takes your picture. Here we go. Ashley, in Oregon, dubious reservoir, uncertainty pass... Uncanny Valley. Uncanny Valley. I'm sorry, that is incorrect. Anthony, can you steal? Dubious Reservoir. Dubious Reservoir is a real place. That is correct. (laughs) Begs the question, is it a reservoir? I doubt it. (laughs) Anthony, in Pennsylvania, pack it in trail. This is it, Boulevard. Shades of Death Road. I'm going to go with Shades of Death Road. Yeah, that is correct. That's a real place. Uh, And hopefully the inevitable conclusion in the Fifty Shades of Grey books. (laughs) (laughs) Ashley, in New York, Road Kill City, Dead Horse Bay, Extinction Village. Dead Horse Bay? It is a real place, yes. 
It's actually located in Brooklyn. I've never been to it. Uh, Dead Horse Bay got its name from the factories that would turn dead horses into glue, fertilizer, and other stuff. Uh, If you go to Dead Horse Bay twice, you're really beating a dead horse. (laughs) Anthony in Louisiana (laughs) cut off road rage T-bone. T-bone. No, that is incorrect. Ashley, can you steal? Cut off? Cut off is the real place. Yeah, that's right. These are your last clues. Ashley, in Tennessee, John's Wart, Jacob's Rash, Charlie's Bunyan. John's Wart. <laughs> no. No? Okay. Uh, Anthony, can you steal? Charlie's Bunyan. Yeah, it's a real place. It's an outcropping uh, in the Smoky Mountains, named for hiker Charlie Connor's sore, swollen feet. Oh, He complained all about it in Wine Valley. I mean, who is this guy? (laughs) (laughs) Anthony, in Virginia, down there square, Keister Village, Butts Corner. Butts Corner sounds right. (laughs) You like Butts Corner, and you cannot lie. That is correct. Puzzle Guru Archung, how did our contestants do? Anthony won that game, so we're going to a quick game three. All right, we're tied one game apiece, so I'm going to give you a category, and you'll go back and forth naming things that fall in that category. The first contestant to mess up will be eliminated. You got to buzz in to answer first. Here's your category. Name the 10 popular music acts who performed during the halftime shows at Super Bowls 47 through 51. Anthony, you're first. Bruno Mars. That is correct. He performed twice. Janet Jackson. I'm sorry, Janet Jackson performed in Super Bowl 38. The other acts were Beyonce, Coldplay, Destiny's Child, Katy Perry, Lady Gaga, Lenny Kravitz, Mark Ronson, Missy Elliott, and the Red Hot Chili Peppers. Ashley, we're sorry to see you go. Anthony, you're headed to the final round. Congratulations. We'll find out who will face off against Anthony in our final round at the end of the show. And our special guest is former poet laureate Rita Dove. We'd love to write a poem for her, but no words rhyme with Dove. I'm Ophira Eisenberg, and this is Ask Me Another from NPR. Support for this NPR podcast and the following message comes from Figs, purveyors of modern medical apparel. Figs makes supremely comfortable, ridiculously soft scrubs that feature four-way stretch and antimicrobial technology. Figs come in an array of styles and colors for men and women. And whenever you purchase a set of Figs, Figs gives to a healthcare provider in need and has donated scrubs in over 35 countries. NPR listeners can take 20% off their purchase by visiting wearfigs.com ask. Support for Ask Me Another and the following message comes from ZipRecruiter. A new year has begun, and if you're setting new goals for your business, you need the right people on your team. ZipRecruiter has transformed how you find them. ZipRecruiter posts your job to over 100 job sites with just one click. Then they actively look for the most qualified candidates and invite them to apply. That's why 80% of employers who post on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate through the site in just one day. Try ZipRecruiter for free at ZipRecruiter.com. This is Ask Me Another, NPR's hour of puzzles, word games, and trivia, coming to you from the Virginia Arts Festival. I'm Jonathan Colton, here with puzzle guru Art Chung. And now here's your host, Ophira Eisenberg. Thank you, Jonathan. Before the break, our contestant Anthony won his way to the final round at the end of the show. We'll find out a little later who he will face off against. But first, it's time to welcome our special guest. She was the U.S. Poet Laureate from 1993 to 1995. She holds 25 honorary doctorates. She's won a Pulitzer Prize. Basically, she is the most accomplished guest we have ever had on our show. Please welcome Rita Dove. Hi, Rita. 
Hi, Ophira. Welcome to Ask Me Another. <laughs> Thank you. Okay, I know a U.S. Poet Laureate uh, helps raise the nation's consciousness about poetry, but how do you do that? You know, the best way to do it is to simply get out there and, you know, kind of bring it to the people. So I visited schools. I went to Sesame Street. Oh, yeah. You know, <laughs> stuff like that. Did you ever get a 3 a.m. like emergency, we need a poet right now kind uh, of call? Yes. Well, I, I turn off my phone. <laughs> you turn off your phone. <laughs> what kind of hours does a poet keep? It depends on the poet. This particular poet that yeah. you're talking to right now keeps very strange hours. Uh, my best hours are 12 midnight to 6. And truly, I come alive after dark like, like a vampire, and I just <laughs> suck that blood all night long. <laughs> so when do you... So do you, do you ever go out for dinner? <laughs> <laughs> on the porch. <laughs> on the porch, nice. <laughs> nice. Nice. I think this would be a perfect point uh, to ask if you wouldn't mind actually sharing one of your pieces of poetry with us um, from, uh, yes. Sure. Sure. Here we go. This is from your 2004 collection, American Smooth. Mm -hmm. And this poem is actually based on ballroom dancing, which uh, my husband and I took up long before Dancing with the Stars came across the Atlantic. Uh, and it deals with that most iconic American dance, Foxtrot. Foxtrot Fridays. Thank the stars there's a day each week to tuck in the grief. Lift your pearls and stride, brush, stride, quick, quick with a heel ball toe. Smooth as Nat King Cole's slow satin smile, easy as taking one day at a time, one man and one woman, rib to rib, with no heartbreak in sight. Just the sweep of paradise and the space of a song to count all the wonders in it. Now, that was, you know, dealing with Foxtrot, and you were saying that you really uh, are into ballroom dancing. Did it influence how you write your poetry? Absolutely, because uh, I was pretty much dancing through every poem, and um, I really wanted to try to get some poems that sounded like the dance they were describing. So there's right. a samba poem, and and called Samba Summer, and then there are waltzes and things like that. I have yet to write the tango one, though. That's hard. <laughs> right, so you're, you're trying to go with that same, like, rhythm, the whole rhythm of doing the Right, the whole the rhythm of it, yeah. You're the only artist in your family. Your father was a chemist. Your three siblings are in the sciences. Yes, I and can. you became the artist. The typical black sheep of the family, I yeah. guess, yes. <laughs> Uh, did you know from a very young age that you were like, I am artistically inclined and that's different? Well, you know what it was? I knew that I loved to read. And there were books in the house. There were lots of books in the house. And I would read anything. So I read the, the science books. I read the, but I also read the Shakespeare. And I loved them. Uh, so I just knew I felt happiest when I was doing that. And your mother quoted Shakespeare a lot to you, but didn't say I was quoting Shakespeare. No, no. She would do things like, she'd be cutting the roast and say, is this the dagger I see before me, the handle? And, <laughs> you know, I just thought she was getting a little, you know, kind of over the top. I didn't realize she was <laughs> quoting someone. Yeah. So then when you're reading Shakespeare and you're recognizing these quotes from your mother, did you think, Shakespeare plagiarized my mother? There they go, Yeah. <laughs> So she clearly loved plays and poetry as well? Yes, she did love literature. And so uh, when my brother and I would, would do things like write our own comic books, it was fine. And my family, my parents just kind of played along, said, okay. You wrote your own comic books? Yes. What were they about? Well, we had our typical superheroes, Jet Boy, Jet Girl, and their dog, Jet Zumino. <laughs> And I like that you think this is typical, by the way. No, well, I mean, you know. This is like, so there was Jet Boy, Jet Girl, and, yeah. and they could fly, clearly. And they could fly, of course, and Remarkable Girl with her dog, Remark Ark. I mean, we were really bad. <laughs> we were bad at the, the dog names, I'm sorry, but otherwise. I just like that they all had pets. 
Of course. <laughs> okay, so but you, never a cat for some reason. Yeah, I know. I don't know, because cats won't do it. Because they were the villains. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, you are a professor at the University of Virginia, and... For most people, poetry isn't seen in their minds as a money-maker kind of career. <laughs> Maybe parents dissuade their kids when they say, I would like to study poetry. What do you say to those parents? I would say that, you know, you want your child to be happy. And so if they want to be a poet, you just say, well, you're not going to get any money from it. Will it still make you happy? And if they say yes, let them go. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So we spoke with you before the show, and you actually offered to improvise a poem on the spot if I just gave you an idea. Silly me. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> are, you, uh, are you still up for doing that? You know, I... Yes. <laughs> okay. Uh, <laughs> Okay, so, um, you know, here's inspiration off the jokes we made at the top of the show. Uh, Pleasure Beach. Ooh. I don't, let's see. I have to think of something that won't be censored afterwards, so let's go. And I think I should rhyme it. Yeah, why not? I think um, so. Yeah, sure. Why not? Um, the tighter the rules, the better. Pleasure Beach. Take a ribbon of sand bordered by ocean, a golden band framed by perpetual motion of water, water that laps and receives. We walk the stretch hoping to reach a bit of pleasure, by any measure, that's what you name a beach. How's that? <laughs> I bow to you. No, I mean, no. Seriously, that was, uh, I'm almost teary-eyed from just hearing kind of how your brain must work and marveling at it. I have no idea what I just said. It was amazing. <laughs> Number. It was beautiful. So we have cooked up a uh, pretty excellent quiz for you. Are you ready for an Ask Me Another Challenge? Haven't I done enough? I know. <laughs> no. It's true. No, all right, all right. It's true. Just, okay, just, uh, just 100 this. to 200 more questions. Okay. Um, all right. Okay. Now, before the show, you actually told us that you are a super fan of Star Trek The Next Generation. How did you become such a fan of that show? Well, I was always a fan of science fiction. The original Star Trek was okay because of Lieutenant Uhuru mainly. Um, but... Really, but that was about it. And then came along this show that had all these different species and, 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 and races, and they all just got along together. Yes. It was so amazing. So yeah, that's how I became a fan. And then my daughter uh, began to love it, too. And, and so we watched every single episode. Every Very good one. Mm -hmm. yeah. So your game is called Set Phasers to Poem. <laughs> we rewrote some well-known poems and improved them by making them about characters in Star Trek. Oh, I love it already. Specifically, of course, Star Trek The Next Generation. All you have to do is identify the character the poem is about. And if you get enough right, John Fulton from Buckland, Kansas, will win an Ask Me Another Rubik's Cube. Ooh. Okay. <laughs> John, I hope I'm, I'm, I'm rooting for you. <laughs> Be great. Here's your first one. He real hip, he run ship, he drink lots, Earl Grey hot, he hate war, he turned Borg. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Jean-Luc Picard. Yes, indeed. <laughs> you guys are poets. <laughs> that was We Real Cool by Gwendolyn Brooks. This is just to say I have eaten the plums that were in the replicator. Forgive me, they were delicious. 
which I could tell from scanning their electromagnetic spectra with my visor. Jordy. <laughs> Jordy. <laughs> Jordy LaForge, the Jordy. punk rock member of the Enterprise. That poem was This Is Just a Stay by William Carlos Williams. Two wormholes diverged in the Alpha Quadrant. <laughs> and sorry I could not travel both and be one traveler. There I stood and changed time and space with my godlike powers. <laughs> possessed by all members of the continuum. Two wormholes diverged in the Alpha Quadrant and I, I have an IQ of 2005. <laughs> and that has made all the difference. Oh, these are terrific. Q. That's right, it was Q. Q. That's Robert Frost, obviously, the road not taken. Shall I compare thee to a summer's day? Thou art more lovely and more empathic. Solar winds do blow, Captain Riker, your way, when your romance with Worf turned tragic. Deanna Troy, the counselor. That's right. Yes. It's unfortunate the one woman we do talk about her dating history. <laughs> of course. But, but what can you, she didn't want to date down. I will say no, that. No. There was a lot of people on the Enterprise, and she didn't want to date down. Yeah. No, no red shirt guy. No like, red shirts. No. Just officers. <laughs> no red shirts. <laughs> it's like the end of a personal ad. <laughs> no, red no, red no red shirts. <laughs> this is your last clue. I'm an android. Who are you? Are you an android too? <laughs> then there's a pair of us, don't tell. They disassemble us, you know. That is Data and then his brother, Lore. That's right. <laughs> wow. Wow. <laughs> yeah, nice pull. Yeah, told you I was a... You know yeah. it. Yeah, you hey. remember episode uh, 13 from season one. That's when he meets Lore. Mm-hmm. Uh, Rita, unsurprisingly, you did really well on that quiz. <laughs> you got them all right. So congratulations, Rita, you, and John Fulton. Would not ask me another Rubik's Cube? Yeah. Yeah. I'm glad. Thank you. Thank you so much. Let's hear it for Rita Dove, everybody. Our next game is about people keeping the fake houseplant industry alive. I'm talking about TV set designers. But first, let's meet our contestants. First up, Kristen Chester on buzzer number one. You are a software project manager. Welcome. Thank you. Your opponent is Tad Schultes on buzzer number two. You're a public affairs officer for the Air Force. I am. Welcome. Thank you. Kristen, you have a lot of fun hobbies. Uh, the one that caught my eye was actually, you're part of a local roller derby team. That's absolutely true. All right. So you, you obviously have a roller derby name. I do. And what is it? It's Hella Hitzgerald. <laughs> I want something classy. Is there a position that you're in? Mostly I play blocker if, if I'm practicing with the team. And then I help out with our junior roller derby team. And I'll tell you, you have not seen Joy until you tell an eight-year-old on wheels that she can body check the little girl <laughs> next to her. And they just laugh and fall and laugh. Yeah, and no, and they're tiny and terrifying and just fierce. <laughs> so it's a great time. That's great. Uh, Tad, you actually tried out for Teen Jeopardy when you were younger. Uh, your mother has an interesting theory as to why it didn't work out. What, what is that? Uh, I was about eight inches taller than all of the other contestants, and, and Alex Trebek. So. so she said it was your height that kept you back. It, it had to be, right? Because how would you... I'm her baby boy. I couldn't be dumber than the other kids. <laughs> That's so. right. But see how it all turned out? Here you are. On radio. That's right. No height problem. That's right. <laughs> All right, well, let's go to your first game. While we spend so much time in the rooms of certain television shows, they can seem as familiar as our own. So Jonathan and I will read a real estate listing for a room, and you just have to tell us what television show it is featured in. Let's go. Grab your favorite spot on the couch and peruse the scientific textbooks, action figures, and Rubik's Cubes packing this nerdy pad. Tad. Big Bang Theory? That is correct, yeah. 
sounds so kitschy and nerdy, and then the people in that room are making a million dollars right. an episode. That's right. Careful not to get sliced on the Iron Throne dominating this regal hall. Also, make sure you don't get beheaded, poisoned, pushed out the window, or any of the other horrible ways you could die in Westeros. Kristen. Game of Thrones. That's right. I think the tip to surviving on Game of Thrones is never be in the same room as anyone. You'll love sharing this garden-level maisonette in an up-and-coming New York neighborhood. Enjoy decor supplied by your roommate, Titus Andromedon. If you've just escaped from a doomsday bunker, it will seem like a big improvement. Tad. Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt. That is correct, yes. Rug weavings, macrame, and a dream catcher join forces to create the ultimate hacker hostel, ideal for coating your own Pied Piper. Kristen. Silicon Valley. That's right. Trying to launch a law career but short on funds, you'll enjoy working out of and living in the back room of an Albuquerque nail salon. Tad. Better call Saul. That is correct, yes. You guys watch a lot of television, as it turns out. We're old. We don't have anything more to do. (laughs) It's all we have, for God's sakes. This living room interior features plenty of blank wall space. Perfect for you and your CIA superior to create a rainbow-colored timeline of terrorist Abu Nazir's movements. Tad. Homeland. You got it. That was like an amazing tennis match. Puzzle guru Archung, how did our contestants do? They both did great, Tad. Well done. You're one step closer to our final round. Here's a description of a place. Game show buzzers, silver high heels, spilled beer. If you want to see it in person, apply to be a contestant on our show. Go to amatickets.org. Color of heel, subject to change. Coming up, Jonathan Colton, musician and warlock, sings about fictional witches. It's like a witch hunt, but fun. I'm Ophira Eisenberg, and this is Ask Me Another from NPR. Hello, just dropping in to remind you about Here and Now. We cover the day's most essential news with context so you know the why and what's next. A fast-paced snapshot of the world every day. Listen to Here and Now on NPR One or wherever you listen to podcasts. Hello, podcast listeners. Your mission is to boldly go to Brooklyn for a live taping of Ask Me Another at the Bell House on January 22nd. Our guest is Star Trek Discovery's Mary Wiseman. And we're hitting the road. We'll be in Washington, D.C. at the Warner Theater on February 1st. Info at amatickets.org. Live long and puzzle. This is NPR's Ask Me Another, coming to you from the Virginia Arts Festival. I'm Jonathan Colton, here with puzzle guru Art Chung, and now here's your host, Ophira Eisenberg. Thank you, Jonathan. Before the break, we met our contestants, Kristen and Tad. Soon, Jonathan Colton, still under the curse we placed on him five years ago, will play another music parody game. But first, let's check in with our contestants. Uh, Kristen, if you could put a spell on anyone, what kind of spell would you cast? I would cast it on myself to give myself the power of telekinesis. I'd be laying on the couch and just like will that bottle of wine to come to me. (laughs) (laughs) You can work on that in real life. That's what I love about that kind of spell. It's practical magic. It's very practical magic. Practical household magic. Ted, if you could cast a spell, what kind of spell would you cast? I would love to be able to generate a cone of silence. Um, but between my wife and my daughter, I am probably saying more words to you than I will say at my house in an entire year. <laughs> what I love about the two of you, you didn't know that you'd be paired together. We didn't know that we were getting you. But I feel like what we are giving you tonight is not only a fun night of trivia, but just an escape from your lives. <laughs> So we've got a music parody called Which Witch is Which? 
Well, Jonathan Colton, which which is well, which? All, all of them. We took songs with the word magic in the title, and we rewrote them to be about famous fictional witches. So buzz in to name the witch I'm talking about, and if you're correct, you can earn a bonus point by naming the song that I am parodying. Whoops, I just killed her sister. My house just dropped from a twister. Though I wish it had missed her, she wants those ruby slippers from me. Weird flying monkey's a sister. I hope this pail of water sets me free. Kristen. The song is Black Magic Woman, and it's The Wicked Witch of the West. Yeah, that's correct. Sorry, I did those in the wrong order. You did, but you got them both right, so it didn't matter. (laughs) Here we go. From the mind of Miyazaki, it's the story of a girl who's just 13. To complete a witch's training, needs to leave her hometown for a brand new scene. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh, Kristen? Somebody's delivery service. Oh, yes. Yeah, it's the somebody part that we need. I know. <laughs> Kiki's. Kiki's are... Kiki's delivery service yeah, is correct. correct. Wow. That, that felt like a miracle. Okay. You're, you're really working hard. I am. And do you know the name of the song? Every Little Thing She Does Is Magic. That's right, by the police. Oh, King Arthur, I hate you so much It makes me cuss Steal your sword and your throne too Just me, there is no us Learn from Merlin how to make me strong You'll be superfluous Mordred says that I can't be wrong Tad Morgan Le Fay Yeah, that's right Don't know the Do song. you know the song? No uh, That was uh, The Magic Bus by The Who It was very impressive that you got the answer. Let's just yeah. let's not yeah, diminish no, I don't mean that. To take away. <laughs> let's not diminish that. It's kind of a letdown to I'm not get the bonus okay. point. Yeah, yeah, no. Yeah. You're doing great. She likes a feast. Turns the guests into wild beasts. In the Odyssey, she turned men to swine. Had them drink enchanted wine. Hermes helped out, kept Odysseus from growing a snout. Tad. Cersei? Cersei is right. And do you know the song? No. Sorry, no. You don't have to apologize. That's okay. (laughs) It was Magic Carpet Ride by Steppenwolf. Maybe it's my fault, Tad. I wasn't going to say anything. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. Thanks for not saying anything. Here's your next one. My husband, Darren His love is oh so true I pledge to act mortal His boss has no clue But then Endora My mother, that's her name She stirs up some trouble too And leaves me with the blame Kristen uh, it's Samantha from Bewitched. Yeah, that's right. Samantha, you got it. And can you name the song? You betcha. Yeah. This magic moment. Yeah, you got it. That's right. See, Tad? <laughs> Tad, you just gave, like, the sitcom ending that Darren did every single episode of Bewitched. Just shrugged shoulders like, me? I don't know. Beleaguered husband shrug. That's right. That's right. (laughs) This is your last clue. You may have seen me on the page in Archie Comics' Golden Age, a long running series, part of TGIF. I live at home with my two aunts, a talking cat who jokes and rants. It went seven seasons, starring Melissa Joan Hart. Kristen. Sabrina. Oh, Oh, I'm sorry, it was Tad. Uh, Sabrina. (laughs) 
the teenage witch. Yeah, that's right. He knew it. He knew it. And uh, Hearts Magic Man. Yeah, that's correct. Art Chung, how did our contestants do? Well done, Kristen. You've tied it up one game apiece. So it's time for a quick game three. I'll give you a category. You'll go back and forth naming things that fall in that category. The first contestant to mess up will be eliminated. Buzz in to answer first. Your category. Name the first ten letters in the Greek alphabet. We'll take the ancient or modern pronunciations. Tad, you're first. Alpha. Correct. Kristen. Beta. Good guess. <laughs> Correct. Gamma. Correct. Delta. Correct. You guys are in fraternities? <laughs> Epsilon. Correct. Wow. Kristen. Phi. Sorry, Kristen, that isn't one of the first ten letters of the Greek alphabet. The remaining letters were zeta, eta, theta, iota, and kappa. So, Kristen, I'm sorry to say you have to go. Tad, congratulations, you're headed to the final round. While Anthony and Tad get ready for the final round, it's time for us to play a game. This is Mystery Guest. A stranger is about to come on stage. Jonathan Colton and I have no idea who this person is or what makes them special. Only our puzzle guru, Art Chung, does. That's right, Ophira. You and Jonathan will work together as a team to figure out our Mystery Guest secret by asking yes or no questions. Mystery Guest, please introduce yourself. Hi, my name is Rebecca LeCompte, and my husband and I own an unusual small business. Okay, an unusual small business. Is it a product you're selling? Yes. Okay. Uh, okay, is this related to uh, uh, things that you eat or drink? No. Okay. Well, not that I eat or drink. No. It's a no. That's a no. It's a no. I, I, I guess I mean food. Or beverages. Uh, is the product f food or beverage? No, not for human consumption. Okay. Uh, is your product for animals? Yes. You, you yes. have an animal food store of some kind. Mm -hmm. But it's special. It's special in some way. Yeah. Um, Are you one of those dog bakery owners? No. Oh, thank goodness. <laughs> Let me clarify that uh, the thing that she and her husband sell can be used as food for non-humans, but humans also enjoy it as well. But okay. not for food. Not for food. Yes. I'm sorry, but okay, not for so food. Okay, so just to clarify, it's something humans enjoy, <laughs> but animals some, eat. Yeah, this is something that animals eat and humans use in a different way. Like sofa cushions? Like, I don't get this. <laughs> Is that food another animal? Yes. Uh -huh. Oh. So I would buy said thing for my dog or cat? No. I would buy it for my bird? No. I would buy it for my lizard? Closer. Are you selling uh, mice for snakes to eat? Yes. You have a yeah. mouse store? In addition to a few other things, yes. Wow. What? Uh, yeah. Wait, yeah. wait, wait, wait. I don't need, I just need some clarification right now. You sell mice for animals. Where is the part where humans enjoy them? <laughs> there, there are other animals involved as well. The other animal also eats mice. The, you, you, so you, guys, you, have a store, you have a store where your two products, one of them eats the other one. Yes. <laughs> yep. Do you also sell snakes in addition to mice? Yes, yes we do. do. So, so Rebecca and her husband own a 6,000-square-foot facility where they breed snakes and mice. They have somewhere between five and 8,000 mice and over 300 snakes. We do. We also actually breed rats as well. We breed for pattern and color variations in ball pythons that wouldn't exist in the wild um, together. So it's like a living artwork for your home. I'm going to call it Jurassic World is what I'm going to call it. <laughs> How long have you been doing this? Uh, we've been in business for just about a decade now. And are you a snake owner yourself? Oh, yeah, yes. Oh, oh Quite yeah. Quite a few. <laughs> How many? Um, 
pet animals. We probably only have about a half a dozen, but oh. snakes at the facility, um, in excess of 300. Um. <laughs> Which is better, <laughs> mice or rats? It depends on what you're feeding. No, um. no, to enjoy as a human, oh. not to eat. For goodness um, sake. And an individual rat can make a great pet. Uh-huh. Rats in a colony, eh, not so much. Why um, is that? Why, no, why there's is that? a lot of them, and they are very, let's go with fragrant. Um, oh. So it's, yeah, it's a big population. It's a lot of work. It's a minimum five hours a day just to maintain all of the, the rats. Now, for the person out there who does not have a snake as a pet and thinks like, I don't even know if I would want that. What is a selling point? Well, um, you only have to feed them every two weeks or so. So that's a little bit easier than your cat or dog. Right, low um, maintenance. And with the prevalence of allergies, you know, kids having dander allergies, sometimes you can't have a fur pet. Or if you travel quite a bit, it's easier to say, hey, drop by and make sure there's water in the tank and throw a mouse in as opposed to coming in <laughs> three times a day to feed your cat. So, yep. so there's definite benefits. Uh, and on your Facebook page, you post videos of pythons mating. We do, we do. And why is that? (laughs) Um, (laughs) (laughs) Why is that? Um, Yeah, I've been known to call it snake porn before. Um, And, um, well, one of the things that gets um, enthusiasts and other breeders excited is seeing what might be coming up. Um, And so... I hear you, sister. It's not exciting at all. It's not, no, no. It's not, not, not very sexy. No, not really, no. They just sort of wrap their tails together, and often I have to um, screenshot these photos, circle, and write several arrows to get people to see what they're actually <laughs> looking for in the photos. I think the snake enthusiasts will recognize it faster than a layperson might. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Uh, truly amazing. I'm happy to know that your business exists and is thriving and has very secure walls and enclosures, I imagine. Very, very, very secure. Good. Everyone give it up for our mystery guest, Rebecca Lecomte. Now it's time to crown our big winner. Let's bring back our finalists. Anthony Nobles, a six foot four limbo champion whose new nickname is Supple Spine. <laughs> and Tad Schultes, whose mom said he was too tall for Teen Jeopardy. <laughs> Puzzleger Archung, take it away. Thanks, Ophir. Anthony, Tad, your final round is called Mo Questions, Mo Problems. Every answer will begin with the letters M-O. We're playing this round like a penalty shootout. You'll have up to eight questions. The contestant who scores the most points will be our big winner. Your prize will be an Ask Me Another Rubik's Cube and a signed copy of Rita Dove's book, Collected Poems, 1974 to 2004. We rolled a 20-sided die, and Tad is going first. Tad, Russ Leatherman provided the voice to what service that gave callers film showtimes? Movie phone. That is correct. Anthony, according to the CDC, the Zika virus is spread primarily by what insect? Mosquitoes. That's right. Tad, what term is used to describe either a person of great wealth and power or a bump in a ski run? Mogul. You got it. Anthony, the title of this 2016 Disney film means ocean in Hawaiian and Maori. Moana. (laughs) That is correct. Tad, Maputo is the largest and capital city of what East African country? Mozambique. You got it. Anthony, in what country would you find Casablanca and Marrakesh? Three seconds. Mozambique. (laughs) Wrong. The answer we're looking for was Morocco. Tad, born Yassine Bey, what artist was nominated for a Grammy for his rap album, The Ecstatic? Mostef. That is correct. Anthony, what deep-voiced actor won an Academy Award for his role in Million Dollar Baby? Three seconds. Shaking your head. Sorry, we were looking for Morgan Freeman. Uh, At the halfway point, Tad is in the lead, four to two. Tad, what classic American novel begins with the line, Call Me Ishmael? Moby Dick. That is right. Anthony, capable of accommodating over a million worshippers, Masjid al-Haram in Mecca is the world's largest what? Mosque. That is correct. 
Tad, what CBS sitcom stars Alice and Janney as Bonnie? Mom. That's right. Here's the situation. Tad is in the lead six to three. Anthony, if you get this question wrong, or if Tad gets another one right, Tad will win the game. What comedian and former talk show host won the Academy Award for Best Supporting Actress for her role in Precious? Meryl Streep. <laughs> I'm sorry, that is incorrect. We were looking for Monique. That means Tad, you're our winner. Congratulations, Tad. You're our big winner, and that's our show. Ask Me Another's puzzle guru is Art Chung. Hey, my name anagrams to Narc Thug. Our house musician is Jonathan Colton. Now, Jolta Cannon. Our puzzles were written by Eric Feinstein, Kyrie Greenberg, Sean Kennedy, Mary Tobler, and senior writer J. Keith Van Stratton. Ask Me Another's produced by Mike Katzoff, Travis Larchuk, Julia Melfi, Denny Shin, and Ramel Wood, along with Steve Nelson and Anya Grunman. We are recorded by Damon Whittemore. Ask Me Another was created by Eric Newsom and Jesse Baker. We'd like to thank the Sandler Center for the Performing Arts and the Virginia Arts Festival. First in salvage trivia. Our friends at WHRV. VRHW. And our production partner, WNYC. NYCW. I'm Harriet Begonias. Ophira Eisenberg. And this was Ask Me Another from NPR. Hey, if you've listened this far, why not go the extra mile and leave us a review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Your comments provide valuable feedback for us, and it helps other people find us too. So for information on new episodes, upcoming live shows, and extra games, be sure to follow us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. And who knows, maybe you could win a Rubik's Cube. Thanks. Next time on Ask Me Another, joining us is actor Mary Wiseman from the CBS series Star Trek Discovery. She talks about how her character, Cadet Tilly, boldly went where no man, woman, or alien has gone before, being the first person in the franchise's history to drop the F-bomb. So join me, Ophira Eisenberg, for NPR's Hour of Puzzles, Word Games, and Trivia.